You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Okay, we are live. We're going to let this stream breathe just for a second. Make sure it's nice and stable for your listening and viewing pleasure. Welcome in, everybody, to a new episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers. I am your very temporary, one, maybe two times ever, host of Dove Valley Deep Divers, filling in for Lance Sanderson, Chad Jensen. And uh, joining me, as always, on Dove Valley Deep Divers is Eric Trickle. And we're also joined by Nick Kendall of Building the Broncos. It's, a, it's, it's like a mishmash of every Mile High Huddle podcast in one. Eric, how are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing pretty good. It's just uh, with the times that's going on, man, it's just uh, been a little bit rough. But other than that, doing good. Excited to talk about about Broncos and football in general. Nick, we're trying to keep people uh, not so much distracted from, from the COVID-19 scare, but give them some kind of an escape, something to take their mind off it in that sense. How are you doing out there in Iowa, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. We had a pretty big thunderstorm roll through here last night, which is awesome. That means spring and summer's around the corner, which also, you know, makes me think of everything. Long winter, this too shall pass. So eventually we'll get past this. Obviously take it serious, but you know, this we're gonna get back to some normalcy here. So it felt good to be a little bit of hashtag mad online today in regards to football again, a little <laughs> bit of normalcy there. So that's I'm I'm we're blessed for that. Speaking of which, of course, the big blockbuster move today, the Broncos had been telegraphing that they were going to do something like this for many weeks now, that they were going to sign a starter-type running back. And, of course, Melvin Gordon had been tied to the Broncos for a couple weeks now. And sure enough, as Todd Gurley took that one-year prove-a-deal with the Atlanta Falcons, Melvin Gordon found a two-year deal from the Broncos worth $16 million. He's getting $13.5 million guaranteed. I'm going to serve this around first you, Eric. What was your gut reaction to the Melvin Gordon deal? I, I'm not a big fan of it. The, I mean, it was a little bit hard because some of the stuff that I was hearing that was going on was that his deal would probably fall less than what Todd Gurley got. So seeing that being a little bit more was just a little bit rough. And But the, my biggest issue is the guarantees. We don't know what how much of that is fully guaranteed, how much of that is going to be guaranteed for injury. But $13.5 million for a back like Melvin Gordon, that's quite a bit of money. That's a little bit more than my opinion running backs are worth because you just don't pay running backs anymore. About $5 million on an APY basis is the max I would do. And, I mean, there are some good things he brings. I mean, it's name's Gordon, so that's a good thing for me. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he definitely brings the receiving ability out of the backfield. That's with it regarding his play, that is the thing to be most excited about. He gives them that receiver. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think that Gordon is a guy who, unfortunately, because of his draft status, is probably a little bit more overhyped than what his play has been. I think the last couple seasons, honest to God, I think Austin Eckler has been a more valuable player for them because the type of routes and everything that he can do, it just brings more value in today's game. But uh, Gordon, I mean, if he can come in this year, the big thing is, Denver's not paying very much for their offense right now. You got a really cheap quarterback. You got a cheap running back. You're not paying any wide receivers. Really all you're paying right now as far as big money would be Glasgow and James. So you have a little bit of breathing room where you can make a move like this, which might be considered a luxury most seasons. That being said, I probably would have allocated resources elsewhere, but I mean, it, it makes the offense a little bit more balanced and gives them somebody not only that can help a little bit more in the pass game than what they have, but Gordon's also a pretty good pass protector back there. So if you have some concerns at that tackle, especially if you're going to leave those guys one-on-one, the fact that Gordon can go back there and give lock somebody else that can pick up a free rusher, that's something that they can rely on and lean on when the time comes. By the way, we want to welcome in everybody that's been hanging out in the room and those of you joining us live as we speak, both on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook. Shout out to Cobra Commander, Binks, Mile High Six Sports, Joseph, Jordan, Bill, all you guys, Brandon. Welcome in, everybody. FC Bayern, Munchen, it's good to see you guys. Welcome in. Uh, And Adam jumping in on Super Chat. We appreciate that donation, my friend. That means a lot to us. Thanks for keeping me sane, guys, he says. Keep up the good work. (laughs) 
Adam, we're going to keep up the good work. As long as you guys keep showing up and listening to what we have to say, we're going to keep plugging away for you guys. But let me, uh, let's talk about what this means for Philip Lindsay, because this is the overtime podcast network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. The one there was a report from Mike Kliss not long after the news broke. He confirmed, yes, indeed, it's a two-year deal. Yes, indeed, sixteen million, et cetera, et cetera. But then he said, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and grab this. I'll read this uh, this tweet verbatim, guys. I want to get your thoughts. Quote: This is from Kliss, twelve twenty-seven p.m. today on Friday. Quote: Key thing to Melvin Gordon deal. It's a two-year deal. Gurley went with a one-year prove it in Atlanta. Gordon is a better receiver. He's less health risk runner than Gurley. Gordon will be the Broncos bell cow. That's what I want to underline there. The bell cow. I'm told Lindsay becomes the thousand yard pro bowl. Number two Broncos now have two pro bowl running backs. Close quote. Eric, I think the point there is he was trying to tamp down some of the unrest and, and implications of what this meant for Lindsay by saying, Oh, look, everybody rejoice. The Broncos now have two pro bowl running backs. But what got lost in in the shuffle for Cliss is the fact that he's actually breaking some news that he's going to be the bell cow is Gordon, which is rubbing a lot of Broncos fans the wrong way. Your thoughts, Eric? I think that you got to look at this, that Philip Lindsay, as good as he is, I mean, he did have those back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, is he has a lot of carries on his on his tires already, a lot of tread on them. And he does offer kind of a limited skill set. He had that wrist injury, and we don't know how much that impacted his receiving ability out of the backfield last year. But it wasn't all that great. He did have a couple drops out of the backfield, and his routes still need a little bit of work and stuff like that. So there's some concern there. He doesn't offer up as much versatility as a runner either. So I think that's one big reason why we're seeing Melvin Gordon being the number one option. I would still expect between the two that maybe we see like a 45% carry from Gordon to a 40% carry from Lindsey over the season with a third back getting just the rest of those carries in there. But uh, but yeah, it's just coming down to just how limited Lindsey can be. And we just don't know how much he's going to be able to develop this offseason as a pass catcher. Nick, the thing that I, that keeps kind of eating at me a little bit is I just think to myself, you know, Elway kept this alive, this idea that, yeah, we're going to consider giving Lindsey an extension. And uh, during his end-of-season presser on December 30th, when he was asked that, hey, are you going to consider, since he's eligible, are you going to consider giving Lindsey an extension? Elway could have completely tamped that down and crushed it and just said, you know, that's not something we're going to look at in the in the next little bit, or that's not something on our docket of stuff to do this offseason. We'll visit that when the time comes. Next question. But instead, he breathed life into it. He entertained it. And so I can't help but wonder, Nick, how much of that $8 million should have gone to Philip Lindsay and whether or not he's ever now going to get paid by this team. 
Well, it definitely throws a wrench in if the Broncos can pay him and what they are going to be willing to pay him. Want to also reiterate what Eric said about Lindsey being a little bit more of a limited player than Gordon. And part of that also, again, coming back to I'm boring, but the pass protection, Lindsey, when he's back there and it's a pass play, he's going out for a route because when he's asked to stay back there and pass protect, God bless him, but he gets overrun because he just does not have that size. So, and he, you know, he'll do his best, but it's not like Gordon. So I do agree with Gordon being the, the number one guy. And also with Elway talking at the, the combine and the postseason presser about potentially paying Lindsay. A lot of that stuff, you know, they have plans, but once you get into the free agency market, things change drastically. You have 31 other teams, the market changes. So you really, you know, you can have plans going into it. They really wanted to sign DJ reader. That was been, you know, the number one guy that everybody is talking about, but the market changed. So they have to pivot. So that's, that's really what it comes down to. Mile high six sports. Go get yourself that hat, dude. There are some excellent hats, excellent hoodies, excellent shirts at huddleuppod.com. And here in the very, very near future, we're going to be adding some additional merch to represent all three shows. That includes Building the Broncos and, of course, this show, Dove Valley Deep Divers. In the meantime, though, you can represent the whole brand by getting a Mile High Huddle hat or hoodie that talks about Broncos country being a not being a geographic location, but being a state of being. So check it out, huddleuppod.com. Lots more coming. Um let me ask you this, Eric. Do you think Philip Lindsay? So, if there was a misnomer, I think it was uh, in the Jason Lock and Four report a little while back that he was an, a restricted free agent. Philip Lindsay is not a restricted free agent. In fact, he's under team control until through the 2021 season, which I guess kind of lines up with when Melvin Gordon's deal runs out. What do you, I, no one has a crystal ball, right? But what do you foresee happening in the future with Lindsay? Or do you think? maybe the Broncos will get something done because now you got to worry about how this lands, not just PR wise, but how this lands with Lindsay, because let's face it. I mean, I think with a very straight face, you can say over the last two seasons, not Von Miller, not Justin Simmons, not Cortland Sutton, not Bradley Chubb, not Drew Locke. Philip Lindsay has been this team's MVP. Well, I think that part of the thing that teams are looking at is that they're they're expecting a huge raise in the cap next year. So I think that Denver is keeping that in mind with this move. I don't think that this really takes off um, the possibility of a Lindsay extension just because of that expectation. I mean, I've seen I've heard numbers and seen numbers of them expecting it to go two hundred and thirty million from just being under two hundred million to even going up as high as 250 million, a huge raise in it. And then we have the new TV deals coming in, just a lot of variables and play with this. But I think that Denver with the length of this deal, I'd be curious to see the full breakdown of it, but I really don't think that this takes a Lindsay extension off the table for them because we've, we've seen it with Elway is he likes to reward players that are homegrown a little bit. We saw that happen with Ryan Clady. We saw that happen with Vaughn Miller. We're going to see it happen with Justin Simmons. So I don't I don't think that he is I don't again I don't think he's off the table for the an extension anyways. How would you interpret that signing, Nick, if you were Philip Lindsay? Say that again. Sorry, I was reading the comments. So how how would you if you're Philip Lindsay and you know that who knows? We don't know exactly what kind of talks have taken place perhaps internally behind closed doors between the Broncos and Lindsay's camp, but if you're Philip Lindsay and you're chilling on the couch today and the news breaks, Melvin Gordon, eight million a year, how do you think that lands? I mean, I don't know Philip Lindsay personally, but if it was me, I would take that a little bit as an insult. Yeah. Granted, this is a guy who's been overlooked his entire career. So, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of par for the course. But personally, being an undrafted free agent, the type of money he's bringing in, if I see de- after what I've done the last two seasons, I've answered every call. I've went beyond what was expected of me. And then you see them pay Melvin Gordon. What is he now? The fifth highest paid running back. APY compared to compared to the league that would sting a little bit but I mean I would also understand that it's business and it would make me want to be that much more of a you know number one player Stu jumps in on the Mount Rushmore of patron saints of Mile High Huddles podcast we love you Stu $10 donation but also a very timely question that I know is on the minds of all of us here at Mile High Huddle and also all the fans in Broncos country how much cap do we have left after Melvin Gordon. I reached out to Bob Morris, who, you know, he he's good at researching this type of stuff. Let me read really quickly what he said to me, you guys. Um, now, keep in mind, nothing is known yet 
specifically about the terms of the deal, how the cap hits might be deferred, how, you know, what dollar figures are hitting the cap, which years, et cetera. But what Bob said to me is, quote, Melvin Gordon's cap hits remain to be seen, but a first year cap hit of six to seven million seems likely. That takes up much of the space that was freed up after Joe Flacco's release, but not all of it. So keeping in mind, guys, that the Broncos need to allocate about $10 million, uh, to sign the future draft class, I think 15 to 18 it is probably a fair estimation, 15 to 18 million of where they stand now, unless you guys have heard something else. So I the number I actually saw was that not counting the money taken out for the rookies is that it'll be about 24 million is what the Broncos are currently sitting at. Okay. And then one thing with the allocating the money for the draft picks is that you have to remember is that for it's only the top 51 contracts. So for each rookie contract that's being added to it, another player is coming off, which doesn't save a whole lot of money. But I mean, that's a $565,000 contract that's coming off with each rookie. So for two rookies, that's a little bit over a million. So the 9 million from what I understand with my math and everything, and I'm, and Bob is by far the cap expert with my huddle is that Denver would have to allocate about 7.7 ish million for the, for uh, the rookies. And then another thing that I've heard and that's been going around is that a potential restructure with Jarrell Casey and AJ Boye wouldn't, isn't completely off the table. That's what's great about those deals is because they have, I know that Casey's deal has, is going to go into effect. There's going to be some guarantees on it. I think three days from now, but I think Boye's has none. So that flexibility is he, there's no guaranteed cash. So Denver can throw them a bone, you know, restructure the deal and potentially create space as they need be. I, again, Eric said at 24 million, I've seen around 9 million that they need, but again, pushing those guys off the, the top 51 changes that, but also you have to, Denver's not going to spend up to the cap. Elway, Tends to like to leave, you know, five, ten million. This is historically. We'll see if that changes. Just because in-season moves can be made, you know, let's say something happens during training camp, you can bring on a Theo Riddick, etc. So having a little bit of, I don't want to say rainy day cash, but just a little bit of flexibility there is key. So I'd make sure that you're leaving about a five to ten million buffer in there uh, when you look at the cap as well. A little Evan Mathis money never hurts, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean that that made all the difference. Really did. Guys, one of the other topics that the fellows wanted to get to tonight is just kind of how this first wave of free agency has affected the top 15, right? The Broncos sitting at pick 15 in the draft currently. We're going to talk about that a little bit and try and get to some of your questions as well. Uh, Wendell and jumping in from across the pond, throwing in 4.49 euros, saying you guys rock, means the world to us. We appreciate that donation. There's a specific question here that I think would be good since we have two draft experts on this podcast from Kyle. He wants to know, instead of finding a cornerback in free agency, because up to this point, even though they also added or re-signed, I guess is the best way to say it, Devontae Bosby, I've kind of had the feeling that one more domino was going to fall cornerback-wise, perhaps in free agency. Maybe it ends up just being in the draft, but his question, Kyle, is, Finding a corner in free agency, why not, if uh, if available, get A.J. Terrell in the second round? What are your thoughts on that, Eric? I actually – well, this is kind of a Knicks guy because I wasn't that high on him during the season. I actually had to go back and over him and watch him at the end of January, beginning of February, and I started to come around on him. I really like him. I think he is worth that second-round pick at 46, though it's not an ideal value, in my opinion, for it. I think there would there will be other cornerbacks still on the table that I like a little bit more, especially for the Broncos scheme. But he's a good player, and if Denver still wants to add a corner come the come the draft, and he's still on the table, they can do far worse. I mean, he he's one of the better scheme fits that they, that they can get. You're a Terrell guy, huh, Nick? Yeah, I like Terrell a lot. It's more of a toolsy traitsy kind of thing going on. He didn't have the best national championship game, but don't let that you know make you too upset because Burrow, Jefferson, and Chase hurt everybody they went against this year. I mean, there have been NFL guys that would have struggled against those guys this year. So I like Terrell a fair amount. I guess the biggest thing for me is you never want to be in a position where you have to rely on a guy being there at 46 to make sure that you're comfortable in the draft. I mean, there's a learning curve for pretty much every single position in the NFL besides running back where year one to year two, if you, especially at picking outside the 50, but at all in the, in the first or in the draft, you don't want to be relying on a rookie to make a big difference that first season. It's more about what they're going to be. They're more of an investment, I guess is the way to think about it, what they're going to do year two, three, and four. So I would not have any issue with Terrell at all. I'd love to get him, 
But my biggest issue is that's one player all the way down at pick 46. A lot can change. You don't know who's going to be there at the time. So you don't want to be painted in that corner where you're one position or bust round two. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Really quick, I want to speak to what Keith's asking here because it's a question I've gotten quite a bit on social media. Has Gordon ever played a full season, Melvin Gordon? I want to quote to you guys. Uh, our Josh Carney published a film breakdown on uh, Melvin Gordon earlier today. I encourage you guys to head over to milehighhuddle.com and check that out. But here is what he found. Quote, this is from Carney's piece today. The problem is Gordon is always nicked up. Through five seasons, he has missed 13 games, playing a full 16-game schedule just once. He's dealt with a ligament tear in his knee, sprained his MCL twice in separate seasons, an ankle injury, a pulled quad, and a hip sprain. So Josh did uh, the the digging on that to kind of find out the medical jacket on, on Melvin Gordon. How much does that affect your analysis on, on this move, Eric? Well, that actually that affects a lot, knowing what the injuries are. I know he was banged up a lot, but I hadn't ha- haven't had the time to really dig deep as to what all the injuries were. And I can remember a lot of things, but I can't remember all the people players' injuries. Sure. But that combined with actually seeing the full breakdown that Mike Close just tweeted out a little bit ago while we were live just really makes me concerned about it because they're investing nine million dollars into him this year, which isn't the which just isn't that good. And then they're still having $4.5 million guaranteed for him, fully guaranteed for him next season. So that is a lot of money invested in a guy who has major injury injury history. And this is a signing that we kind of saw last year with Jawan James and Bryce Callahan, major medical issues and giving them big money for the position. And while Callahan wasn't the biggest of money, it was still a lot of money his way. So it's just, the injury history with seeing those guarantees, seeing how that contract's breaking down just makes me just even like even less. Nick, for the sake of everybody listening, I'm going to read this and then I want your thoughts from what Cliss just reported here. Details of Melvin Gordon's two year, $16 million deal. Quote, 2020, he gets $4 million to sign. He gets a $4 million roster bonus and a $1 million salary. Total guarantees to be paid in 2020, $9 million. 2021, he gets a $2 million camp roster bonus, which is not guaranteed, a $4.5 million salary fully guaranteed, half a million in total game day bonus, and then says Gordon gets a better deal than Gurley. Broncos get nice second-year value, a fair deal. So it's a very front-loaded deal there, Nick. Well, paying a running back is always a little bit – curious to me i mean it's probably one of the positions you can find the easiest in the draft every single year i mean look no different than the broncos the past few seasons their best running backs have been undrafted free agents and they've brought back surplus value so paying big money at a running back it doesn't sit the best for me especially when they have needs at cornerback defensive line still offensive line depth but i mean that at least that first year I don't know. The biggest, honestly, the biggest thing is I would be okay with the nine million all up front, the guaranteed this season. I wish he didn't have that four point five next season. That just if that next season could be more of an option, just to have a little bit more flexibility, I'd be more game with it. But just because you're locked in that four point five, it really kind of limits what you can do. It so if he totally falls flat this season, you still might be stuck with him. Otherwise, you're eating four point five, which is a that's a good chunk of change. Guys, I know that there are topics you want to get to, but we have Super Chats stacking up. So let's kind of rapid fire through these Super Chats because the one thing I hate that happens sometimes is on the platform we use to stream so that we can all three come to you guys live like this. It uh, If the comment stream gets pretty hot and heavy and a lot of engagement, sometimes it skips down. We can't go back up and, and grab Super Chat cards and put them on the screen. So to try and get ahead of that, let's grab these Super Chats real quick and then we can circle back. Richard Lopez jumps in with a $2 donation. We appreciate you, Richard. He says, did you see what Honey Badger said about the Broncos? I did see that just for everyone's uh, edification. He said on Twitter today, quote, Broncos trying to run the ball and play defense next year. Huh? Hashtag take notes. Hashtag NFL 
free agency. Eric, your thoughts? I, I don't really know what to think. What to think about that? I mean, the Broncos—they've—they've they've been very upfront about that. They want to run the ball and play defense. They were like that ever since Vic Fangio came in. That was supposed to be the focal point of their offense: was running the ball and then playing good defense and basically living up to the hype of the Vic Fangio's defense that they that have brought. So it, I don't know. It's nothing new to me. I mean, they added a good piece to add to it, but yeah, it's what the plan's been the whole time. Uh, Nick, Justin just jumped in. One of our super chat superstars, big time supporter of the mile high huddle podcast and also rocking that swag. Look how handsome he looks in his YouTube profile pic, rocking that hat. He's also got the hoodie to match. He said, (laughs) that's right. That's right. What's up, brothers? At least we didn't get a bone-on-bone girly. And as much as I don't like the pick, uh, pick up, but they will complement each other. Your thoughts, Nick? I don't know how much they complement each other, and so to speak, that they're polar opposites of each other. But because both of them have a decent amount of carries in college and the NFL already, if one gets dinged up, you can kind of lean on the other. It's kind of the the relief pitcher effect you kind of see with teams late in the season. We saw it a couple of years ago, speaking of Todd Gurley with the Rams where, you know, Todd Gurley was a shell of himself by the end of the season. They brought on CJ Anderson and he looked pretty good. So keeping those guys fresh is really important for running back. So I don't, I, I would have maybe preferred the one year, $5 million just because how the cap is allocated there. But I think Gordon is a better player than Gurley right now. So it's a solid move. I mean, it's, I don't love the best again, the resource allocation. I probably would have gone elsewhere because I don't value that running back position as such, but you know, I can, I can see why Denver would make this move, especially again with how their current offense is set up pay wise. Yeah. And that's the thing is as we criticize the move in terms of not liking how much money the Broncos are paying a running back an outside running back about to turn 27 on a second contract, we can't dismiss the fact that, He's a good running back. He's been to two Pro Bowls. He's got over 4,000 yards rushing over a five-year period. And there's things about it we don't like, but let's not completely dismiss that, you know, this is a good player. They did improve the running back room. That you cannot debate. Uh, Paul jumps in with a massive donation from the top rope. Paul, 826, longtime listener of all Mile High Huddle podcasts and a big-time supporter of Dove Valley Deep Divers. Paul jumps in. And, guys, when we see – that kind of an outpouring and an outgoing support on Super Chat. It's just, it's humbling. It means the world to us. And, you know, we say that, but it really does. It's humbling. And we appreciate you, Paul. That's that's phenomenal. He says, well, this cause issue with Lindsey wanting, tra- uh, wanting a trade, Cliss said he wasn't happy. I don't know about wanting a trade, but guys – we already know Philip Lindsay has a world-sized chip on his shoulder. I mean, that has served him so well to start his – I mean, throughout his football career, from tearing his ACL in college right as he – after he had a, a, a agreed to join the Colorado Buffaloes to not getting an invite to the combine, to not hearing his name called on draft day, to having to work all the way up the depth chart to make the team as a 53 guy, and then all the way to here we are today, that chip has served him well – I don't think from a character perspective, he's going to be demanding a trade, but I do think he wants some kind of a show me you love me, like show me something here, guys. Eric. I definitely agree. I don't think that he's going to, I don't see him as a type of player to go in and say, Hey, I want out. I mean, this is a guy who he decided to come to Denver over joining the Baltimore Ravens because of what he talked to his mom. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I don't see, I don't see him wanting to leave Denver just because of this, but I could see him sitting there saying, Hey, if you guys if you guys don't don't give me money, he goes, I will take my talents elsewhere. He goes, you guys saw you guys paid this guy from the outside. Now pay the guy that you brought in that chose you guys and has been playing good football for you. So I could see that, but I just don't see the trade. Nick, the story for and this is for our listeners who might not know it, but the story is after the draft, the Broncos, by the way, during the draft, were on the phone with Philip Lindsay's agent and Philip Lindsay saying, Hey, we're, we're going to take you. Don't, don't trip. We're going to take you in the six on um, the six comes and It's somebody else. Seventh rolls around. Hey, don't worry. We're going to take you in the seventh ends up being Dave Williams. He was pissed by the time that draft ended, just pissed in general that he wasn't drafted, but also that he felt like the Broncos had strung him along for no reason. He was ready to take the Baltimore Ravens offer. And he, meanwhile, you know, teams want these CFAs, especially the high priority CFAs to make a decision within about a 15 to 20 minute window. Like the pressure's on these guys to, 
to make a decision. And he, he had talked to the Ravens. He talked to all of his interested suitors, including the Broncos. And he was leaning Baltimore. But his mother, he said, he tells the story, and I'm going to paraphrase, of course, here. But the room goes, he's in there with all his family, his folks, his siblings, whatnot. The room goes quiet. And his mother says, you need to stay in Denver. You need to take that deal with Denver. She just, and he talked about how much her gut feeling and, you know, she has like a mother's crystal ball, you know, what's the best thing. And so he took Denver, but it really did take his mother saying, this, this is what I think you should stay close to home to stay with Denver. So very interesting story. One of the reasons, I mean, one of the most compelling aspects about Lindsay is his, his story, Nick. Yeah, agreed. And I think part of it was also she came down to the ex or the, you know, the numbers of it. Like, you know, you're a UDFA. You might not make the team. Are you going to be paying money to go rent someplace out there? Or you could stay here and save some cash and, you know, get a jump start that way. So yeah, God bless Mama Lindsay. But I, I also agree, you know, he's probably a little bit upset about this chip on the shoulder. But, you know, he probably understands more than ever it's business. So when it comes time to get paid, He's going to understand that it's still business. So that's what it is. Angela jumps in on Super Chat up in Canada, proving the Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. She says, really, do they you still believe the growth in cap? Hold on. Let me make sure this into I get this into really. Do do you still believe the growth in cap with? Okay, so you talked about how next year, Eric, cap's supposed to go up with what's happening with COVID-9 and different cancellations you do have to worry a little bit about revenue taking a hit, you know, if depending on how this whole crisis unfolds. But that's just what we know for now, right? We're just the NFL is proceeding basically as in terms of the CBA getting agreed to when it did as business as usual. That could change, though. Yeah, it's that's one thing that's rough with those projections is that we don't know how much COVID-19 is going to impact the NFL season just yet. There's a lot of different projections going around about how long this is going to last. I think that teams right now, they are still planning on that 240 million, 230 million, whatever it is, that big cap raise. That seems to be what they're still planning about, but that could definitely change down the road. And that's one reason why that there were some who wanted a little bit of a delay to the free agency because of how they're structuring these contracts could it be impacted by knowing how much or having the expectation of a canceled season or a postponed season and just all the whole, the whole downfall of everything else that comes in play with it. Nick, make us feel better, dude. I don't want to lie to you. Uh, that's, that's not my style. Um, the situation with, this is me speaking as an epidemiologist here, but the situation with COVID-19 changes by the week and unfortunately, current projections indicate that you might be able to expect a second bump come September, October, November. So this is something that changes by the day, you know, just to, I guess we should focus on more important things, but also we're a distraction here. So I don't want to talk too much into it, but things are things are fluid. So we'll, we'll know more when the time comes. But just I guess, you know, hope for the best and prepare for the eventual or the actuality that it could be the worst. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> I mean, the biggest hit that could face the NFL is, let's just say, you know, things go back to normal at some point toward the end of spring. Everybody gets back to their jobs and the NBA and whatnot, MLB. Everything kind of starts going back in motion. And as Nick said, there's another spike in the fall as they fear there might be. Well, if that's how it shakes out, maybe the NFL still plays their season, but it's without fans. This is just a spitball, okay? This is not me saying anything for those of you listening. There's not breaking anything. And in such a scenario, that would be, yeah, they would still get the TV dollars, right, the, as far as revenue. But you're talking about forty-five to 90,000 fans every Sunday across 16 stadiums not showing up with those tickets. I mean, that's a massive, massive, if they just played the games like, the NBA originally talked about doing, for example, that they were going to play without fans, et cetera. If that's how the NFL ended up having to do it in the fall, that would be a massive hit to revenue. And so that could affect salary cap. Now let's grab Terry here, jumps in up in Canada, longtime super chat superstar. Appreciate you, Terry. He says, loving the show. Stay safe, Broncos country. Hashtag football pre state of being and Nick's beer fund. This that's my favorite hashtag. That's my favorite hashtag. <laughs> Terry looking out for Nick. All right, let's see here. We'll get to some of these non-super chat questions. But, again, I don't want the, the comment stream to skip anybody. TG, so consistent. We love you, TG. Hope you're safe. If, I'm pretty sure 
Uh, yeah, let's let's go get C.D. Lamb and Jeff Gladney, two guys that I know all three of us on this podcast tonight are big fans of. C.D. Lamb, pick 15, but would Jeff Gladney still be there when the Broncos roll back around in round two? It's impossible That's, to say. <laughs> it, is, it is very hard to say because after the Ohio State cornerback, um, it's – just kind of a mix match kind of what do you prefer with the cornerbacks? And from conversations that I've had is there's some who have Christian Fulton as the number two. There's some who have Jeff Gladney. There's some who have Trevon Diggs. There's some who have AJ Terrell, CJ Henderson. So there's just an uncertainty about who it really is the number two cornerback in this class. For me, it's Jeff Gladney and I would love it if he's there at 46, but I don't see it, but it's just so hard to project at this point, just because of how this corner class is looking. That's what makes the NFL draft so fun. You know, we can talk about it all season, but then you, you roll around and it's pick four and the Raiders take Cullen Farrell, who people thought was going <laughs> to go at the end of round one. So you never know. You know, that's it's the best reality TV there is. Undoubtedly. All right. Brian jumps in with a donation. Appreciate you, Brian. That means the world to us. Brian jumps in as well. Appreciate you, Brian. My guys love the pods. Chad, it's been a while. Denver Broncos for life. It has been a while, Brian. It's good to see you, buddy. Uh, let's grab GI Jurors with a $5 super chat. One I like of the, the coolest name. handles in the stream right now. I would like to see the Broncos take a flyer on Ronald Darby at corner and pick up Darren Lee at linebacker. The guy runs a 4-4 and can cover. Eric, you had an article for milehighhuddle.com earlier this week kind of laying out some of the free agents that, that are still out there <clears throat> at the different positions of need the Broncos have yet to address. What are your thoughts? And both these guys made your list. What are your thoughts on – let's do this. Eric, what are your thoughts on Ronald Darby? And, Nick, you take Darren Lee. With Ronald Darby, there's definitely some injury stuff that you have to be concerned about. I know that Denver was interested in him, in him once before and that there were some rumors going around prior to the trade deadline this last year that the Philadelphia Eagles would be sending a package that included Ronald Darby for Chris Harris. So that there's – not sure how much smoke there was to that, but there was definitely – uh, definitely part of a conversation or at least a rumor going around with his injury concerns. I don't, I, I really want to say that I can't see it happening, but after seeing Denver go picking up Melvin Gordon for their money, I don't know. Maybe they decide to hand him about $14 million guaranteed, but we, we just don't know. Um, he, he can fit with what Vic Fangio wants to do, but it just comes down to those injuries. And with the, with COVID-19 and teams not being able to visit with players and get, and team docs checking them out, this is, really affecting free agency for a lot of players. And a couple times I've seen people in the comment section asking about Derek Wolf and just to go off topic a little bit, he's one of those players. Long extensive injury history, not being able to meet with team doctors is bothering it. So I think that if something happens with Ronald Darby, it might be a little bit farther down the road because of the injury history. And for Darren Lee, for me, he's a player that obviously first round pick, but he's never really translated to the NFL game. He played a weird position in college where he was a linebacker, but really it was more of that nickel safety position. You know, he'd line up in space and, you know, hearing Fangio talk about how the Denver is going to play more six defensive back uh, snaps this season to help, I guess, mitigate the issues they have with speed and coverage at linebacker. I could see them take a flyer on Darren Lee and he can kind of play some weak side linebacker, kind of play some overhang safety, that nickel position uh, for different formations. But he's not a guy that if you're looking, I know which a lot of people are, but if you're looking for that Todd Davis replacement, I don't think he's one you're looking for there. You're just getting a little bit more athleticism on that second level. Yeah, Darren Lee is just one of those guys that the NFL hasn't quite figured out how to use him the best way probably, and he hasn't been able to cash in on that draft pedigree from the first round. But you never know. You never know. He's still out there, and the Broncos have yet to address the linebacker position. So we'll see how it shakes out. Brian jumps back in on Super Chat with a big donation. Thank you, Brian. He says, don't like the cost of Melvin Gordon, but if he plays well, it could extend Lindsey's career. Just think, we could have used the money toward Corey Littleton or towards – Byron Jones over AJ Bouye. Hashtag New Jersey. State of being, baby. We have so far, you guys, this is really cool. And then, Eric, the crux of this question or his point I want to send over to you. But what's really cool about this podcast in, what are we, 36-minute mark, we've already heard from Europe. We've heard from Canada, Broncos country. Different points in the United States, Broncos country. you got to love it. It is a state of being. But your thoughts there, what he's saying, Eric? Well, just real quick is – Talking about how spread out we are, I mean, just look at us three. 
and our <laughs> yeah. locations. We're spread out across the country. So definitely Broncos country is definitely a state of being, not just a geographical location. But with the Tua's point about using the money that we spent on Gordon on a different position, I definitely agree. I think that, that and I think Nick talked about that a little bit earlier is that that is money that could have been used elsewhere. Um, we might be losing out on, say, Prince of Mukamara because we gave Melvin Gordon all this money. We could be losing out on another player because of this. We may have jumped out of the Corey Littleton sweepstakes because of how much he was wanting and not being able to go get Gordon. There's just a lot of concerns there that just come from paying a running back that kind of money. But, yeah, I definitely agree with their point is as much as I like the player, it's that contract and that money – and what are we losing out to pay him that kind of money? Nick, there is something to be said for the reality. I mean, we all know Philip Lindsay's tough between the tackles runner, surprisingly tough, but he is diminutive, relatively speaking, for the NFL. Five foot eight, 190 pounds, soaking wet. So it can't hurt to take some of that, even if if you didn't have the whole bell cow thing coming out from Mike Kliss, even if Lindsay maintained or finds a way to maintain 1A status, 1A, 1B, Melvin Gordon being that 1B, you want to take some of those between the tackles carries off of him because he's only got so many to go around before that, again, relatively diminutive body starts to break down. And it's all about, I mean, the run game, I know that we kind of equate it to the mid-range jump shot where it's not the explosiveness that you get from the three-point. It's not the efficiency that you get from the the layup or the dunk. But you still want to have it there just as that threat to create different spacing, make them think about it. And if you're leaning on the run game at all, it can't be a volume thing. It needs to be about creating explosive runs. That's what it's all about. Offense is about creating explosive plays. So if you're not leaning as much on Philip Lindsay as far as volume goes, we saw it um, two years ago. He was much more explosive. They're creating more explosive chunk yards in the on the ground. So I think that's what it comes down to, really. You can, you know, maybe you don't have to fire him as less, but if you can raise that yards per carry, get more 20-plus yard runs, then that has a better effect on the entire offense. So. Prosperity Inc. jumps in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. We appreciate you, my friend. James Moss jumps in also with a big donation, $20. Thank you, James. That's phenomenal, man. We appreciate that. He says, loving the content and the constant updates and live feedback. I like the Gordon signing. Maybe it's just me, but I didn't like how our backs did in pass protection. Not sure how good Gordon was. Need more info. Eric, do you have any insight on, on Melvin Gordon and pass pro? I'm actually not entirely sure about how he was in Paris protection. It's just one area of his game that I haven't had a chance to study uh, since Denver signed him yet. I mean, I've been pretty busy today, but it's also not a thing that I was focusing on whenever I watched the Chargers. So I, mean, I actually don't know how good he is in pass protection. Yeah, I maybe, it was pretty good. Okay. So Nick thinks it's at least pretty good. So that's uh, that's an upgrade. And again, none of our our critical analysis on this deal – not much of it has to do with anything that takes away from what Melvin Gordon brings to the table. He does upgrade the room. It's a question of cost versus return. Prosperity Inc. jumps back in, $10 donation. Thank you, Prosperity. We appreciate you, bro. Why are we talking about Lindsey being mad? He has never been a 30-carry guy. They will be a one-two punch. The one that should be mad is 28. Of course, he's talking about Royce Freeman. He will be the odd man out. Lindsey will still get his 15, and that's a fair point, you guys. Yeah. yeah. There's it no such thing as a 30-carry guy in the NFL anymore, yeah. and if they are, then you're probably going to kill that running back. So that's – I mean, you don't want to do that. I mean, even Barkley, who looks like he was crafted by, you know, he's a Greek god statue. You don't want those guys taking those carries. But I, I agree with you. The odd man out is probably Royce Freeman. He's been a plotter. He's been disappointing. His vision hasn't matched up. I mean, they're trying to run the outside zone, the inside zone. He's not picking the right lane. And he's probably going to be kicked down to that running back three spot where De- Devin Booker or Devontae Booker yeah, Devante Booker's on his way out. So you need bodies. It's important to have bodies at running back. And he's cheap still, but that's probably the one who sees his time coming to a close as far as limit or usage is Freeman. Yeah, and on that point is I can't. I think it was in 2018 that I saw the numbers. There's only like five running backs that saw more than 22 carries on an average per game basis. So yes. it's it, it, you just don't see those numbers anymore. And then Royce Freeman, yeah, he's definitely the odd man now. He's definitely getting bumped down to that number three guy. I don't think Denver wants to get rid of him. I think they want to. They're trying to send him a message and hope he takes this message to heart and turns his play around. We'll see what happens during training camp. If they do get rid of him, I think it'll likely be closer to that time, training camp right before the season starts. And I still wouldn't wrap, still wouldn't count them out of drafting a running back somewhere day three and 
going bring in to compete with Royce Freeman for that, but basically that number three spot. And plus a whole other whole other thing is I think ultimately they end up taking four running backs on the roster with the injury history that Lindsay has, that Freeman has, that Gordon has. And last year they carried three, but they also had a fourth one in Andy Janovich. Well, or Andrew Beck, depending on how you want to look at it, that they're still going to have four running backs on the roster. So even, even if they draft the running back, I still have a hard time seeing them move on from Royce Freeman, unless Kalfani Muhammad really shines in the preseason. Plus he represents a third round draft investment. And we've seen, Elway kind of loosen up a little bit on this in years past in terms of Paxton Lynch getting rid of him, Brendan Langley, and others. Uh, but usually Elway holds on for dear life if it's a premium round draft pick. They get they get a little extra time to be given every opportunity to succeed. All right, Michael jumps in with a $10 donation. Thank you, Michael. He says, what's up from Cali? I think the Gordon pickup was a good one. If we use him and Lindsay in tandem, it could be awesome. What's the next move for us in free agency? Eric? I know you're uh, – I'm sure you've been plugged into all your sources around the league. If you had to use your crystal ball and predict what the next move might be, what do you think? Um, it's, it's actually hard, and I was talking to Nick about this. Is There's a big issue going on right now with getting any kind of information, and that is the fact that it's basically very limited about the number of people that are at Dove Valley. It's basically John Elway and three or four others. So information's kind of secondhand, thirdhand, just trying to basically – put pieces together of what I'm hearing. But I still think that Denver is going to be looking at a de- another cornerback. And there's a couple names going around about that with Prince of Mukamara, who's been going around for a while, and Nickel Roby Coleman, who was let go by the Rams. Those are two names I've heard mentioned. Mike Remmers was one that was going around for an offensive tackle. They're looking for a swing tackle. But it seems like he's signing with the Chiefs. So now I don't know if it's been official yet, but they were finalizing the deal. So not sure if Denver will try to jump, jump in and swoop and steal him away from the Chiefs like they did Sanders. And then they're also still looking just basically kind of for cheap guys, but linebacker, I mean, defensive line, they're still looking for another guy there for depth. And I still wouldn't be surprised if they actually made a move at a wide receiver too, just, just to kind of add another body, even though I still expect them would still expect them to draft two guys in the top 100 come the draft. Nick, before you respond, let's respond within the context of Dylan's question and his big time super chat. Wow. Thank Thank you you so much, Dylan. That's awesome, buddy. Appreciate you, dog. He says, any other free agent signings you see happening? And since Eric really just kind of touched on that, your own thoughts on the issue, but also what you might think is the biggest glaring hole that still has to be addressed. I think they need another cornerback, and I think they need to get him before they get into the draft. Um, Pro Football Focus actually had a really neat modeling study done pretty recently based on elite defenses, great defenses, if they are more predicated on the top-tier players or if they are more predicated on the depth of the defense. And they actually found that the biggest influence in defenses being great was actually the depth of the defense, and that's because you know, we can remember with Peyton Manning when he was an Indianapolis Colt, you could pick that one cornerback that does not belong on the field every single time and pick on them. So when you are, when you lack depth, especially in the secondary, it's, you know, they can pick that matchup every time. So, I mean, that when you have a champ Bailey, that's great. But if you don't have another guy on the opposite side, it's not going to matter as much. So I think they really still need another cornerback. And not only that, because of that, but all three of their cornerbacks that they have, the top ones, Bosby, Callahan, and Boye have injury concerns. I don't think any of them have played over 80% of the snaps in the last three seasons. So you put all that together, you really need another body of the cornerback if you can help it before you get into the draft. It's just, it comes down to math. Fair point. Brian jumps back in. And Brian, on the topic of Zach, appreciate the donation. We talked about Melvin Gordon last night on, on the Mile High Mailbag. We talked about Melvin Gordon, but Rest assured, you'll be hearing from Zach, I'm sure, on this topic when we get back together, Huddle Up podcast on Sunday night. So stay tuned for that. All right, guys, let's grab David. Cromelo jumps in. Good to see you, David. $2 donation. Does Melvin Gordon signing mean Philip Lindsay is gone after 2020? Now, after 2020, he will be a restricted free agent. Do you think the Broncos end up tendering him? What do you think for David there? I think they'll end up at the very least tendering him. And I think that they they know this, that they can tender him and just go on from there. So I think they'll tender him and then work on a negotiation or on a new contract from there. And because basically when you tender a guy and then sign an extension to them, they still play the, that year on the tender amount. 
And then they, after that is when the extension kicks in, which after two years, Melvin Gordon's gone. So as as mentioned earlier, is the timing just kind of lines up right just for them to get an extension done with Philip Lindsay after that kicks in in the 2021 season. All right, guys, let's grab JT, who is across the pond in the United Kingdom, jumps in with a 10-pound donation. Appreciate you, JT, and we hope you're feeling better. I know uh, I'm, I don't want to share your personal information, but recovering a little bit from something and hope that is going well. Of course, I'm not talking about COVID-19, something different, but hope you're doing okay, JT. He says, hey, guys, first time I've made the pod for a while due to the UK time zone. Hope you're well. Wash them hands, hashtag state of being. Amen to that, JT, and it's good to see you, dog. Uh, Wendelin jumps back in with a, a five, almost a five-euro donation. Thank you, Wendelin. Do you guys think we can get anything for Freeman? Eric, you're you're kind of the trade guy, but let's let, let's let Nick grab this one, and then any other additional thoughts, go ahead and grab them, Nick. Uh, probably not. Running backs are valuable. You can find them anytime, anywhere. If I walked outside right now, despite all the social distancing going on, I might be able to trip over a few guys who could play in the NFL at running back. So I don't think you're going to find any sort of market for Philip or uh, for Royce Freeman, given he's struggled the past couple seasons and, you know, you can find a guy cheaper. So you can probably get a guy around six that can bring equal value with more years of control. So I just, why, why would anybody trade for him? If you're getting, if you can get Darrell Casey for a seven, you're probably not getting diddly for Royce Freeman. <laughs> I, I I agree with that. Is there's just no value with Royce Freeman. Running backs are so easy to find. I mean, I'm sure depending on the blocking scheme, any one of us we can go out there and have some minor success, like Philip Lindsay had. So it's just such an easy position to find, and it really does come down to the blocking scheme up front more so than the running backs on skills. Black Knight jumps in with a really good question that I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on. He says, what are your thoughts on Jeremy Chin? I would donate, but sadly with the Seabright, hey, it's all good, dude. Don't worry about it. It's it's all good. We just appreciate you being a part of the conversation, chipping in in the comment stream. You know awesome. that, my friend. Jeremy Chin also, for what it's worth, that's Steve Atwater's nephew, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. I Yeah, I believe so. Eric, what are your thoughts on Chin? I like him. He's super athletic, like freak athlete status after watching what he did at the combine. It's just, it took me aback. I wasn't expecting those numbers as big as that. And as for his tape, I'm a big fan of it. I mean, there's anytime you get to a smaller school guy, there's always a concern about how he's going to step up against competition, but he showed up at the senior bowl and he did very well there handling the bigger competition of that. So I'm not concerned there. He can definitely come in to this Vic Vangio defense and do a lot of different things for him. A fun and interesting piece to add to Vic Fangio's defense that really does love the versatility of its players. Yeah, I like Chin a lot as well. I think he is kind of that safety linebacker nickelback hybrid that you're looking for. You know, you with how today's NFL game is going, you saw it with last year with Will Parks, the last four games, he essentially became the nickelback. And there's there's a role for that in this defense. I mean, the game is changing. You need to have a guy who can cover in space over that slot nickel area. So I would like him a lot. I do worry that his value is going to be more of the – in between when the Broncos pick uh, their second round pick and their third round pick, I think that's probably his range right now. Uh, him and Kyle Duggar are both interesting players that kind of fill that same niche. I think Chin is a guy who has more upside. He's two years younger, better, better athletic profile, but Duggar, I think translates a little easier year one. I think he's a little bit more developed. All Broncos fans can hope is that the Broncos don't take it on the chin when the time comes to make that decision and pass on it. <laughs> All right. So hey, Jeff C jumps in. $5 donation. Appreciate you, Jeff. Uh, he says, could have used that money to get another corner or defensive end or re-sign Harris or Wolf. Wonder if if Shermer pushed this and uh, hashtag Denver Broncos for life, Broncos West, hashtag state of mind. Appreciate you, brother. Um, that was a point that now he's not with us and he's not here to defend his take, but on Twitter today, Zach Kelberman, that was his point is you just go out and spend $8 million on – and as we learned from Cliss now, $9 million in 2020 on Melvin Gordon when you still don't have another starting defensive end opposite of Jarrell Casey. And we know it sounds like the Broncos might be thinking Draymond Jones is going to be ready for the primetime on that side. But your thoughts to what Jeff is saying here. I don't think that this is a big thing with Pat Shermer. The Broncos, even before the end of the season, they were – discussing internally that they need another running back and Melvin Gordon was a name that was brought up back then. I think this is a thing of Vic Fangio and John Elway and others in the front office more so than Pat Shermer. And I'm not saying that Pat Shermer didn't sign off on this. I'm sure he did. But as for bringing back one of those guys, I think that with 
Wolf and his injuries that I talked about a little bit earlier, I think that actually gives Denver a leg up because they know his medicals. They've dealt with it for the last few years. So that gives them a leg up. If that, if that door is still open for them to return, it's still likely or not likely, but it's still possible. Um, with Shelby Harris, I think that door has been shut for a while and I don't think it's been shut just because of the Broncos. I think that door was shut by Shelby Harris himself. Yeah, maybe we could see Derek Wolf back on a one-year prove-it deal. I mean, he knows the system. He did really well last year before he got hurt. And, you know, he could bet on himself where maybe next year you're not having all these issues with the not being able to, you know, get physically, medically checked out. So we'll, we'll see. That's a very fluid situation. But I definitely agree with his point about allocating that money on cornerback slash defensive line. I mean, those those pieces, much harder to find. You can probably find a solid running back day three but you're not finding a solid cornerback or defensive lineman at least year one day three guys we're running out of time we're at 52 minutes and of course the time flies it feels like it's been five minutes that we've been hanging out with you guys talking broncos because you make these conversations just fly but we are running out of time so let's grab a couple more we can't miss any of our super chat superstars so let's grab those and then we'll catch you guys tomorrow joseph jumps in five dollar donation appreciate you joe he says jump it on late what percentage of carries Will we see Lindsey and Gordon get in this offense? Hashtag state of being. Eric, what do you think? Is it going to be a 50-50 split, or what do you think? I think that they do want to do a running back by committee. I think they want to get have three running backs involved. I think that we'll see about 90 to 95% of the, the carries or the offensive touches for running backs go between Gordon and Lindsey. And I think that it would probably be like a 45-40 split, maybe even closer to 40-40 there. And then the last guy getting basically that last 10, 15, even 20% of the snaps going there. But I think that's, I think it's going to be a lot closer to even between the two than some others do. I know that this is kind of not typical, but I wouldn't mind them even kind of flipping the role as the season goes on. I mean, both these guys kind of have, they can have dead legs. I wouldn't mind rolling with one heavier, hot and heavy to begin the season, you know, more of the 60%. And then as the season goes on, maybe start to flip that just to, I mean, a little bit different. That's a little bit like Tony LaRusso talking about throwing out a relief pitcher before bringing in the starter in the third inning. But just something kind of out of the box that I would be interested in seeing how it would work. I mean, they can always go with the hot hand, too. Yeah. And I can't remember what coach it was that talked about that, about going with whoever has the hot hand at running back. Yep. And to your point of flipping them in the season, that'd be one good way to try to keep people keep them fresh a little bit. Yep. Amen. James jumps in. Super chat. Superstar. Maybe not cooking this time around. $5 donation. Thanks, James. He says, I hate this signing. It makes no sense, and it's just plain stupid. We needed a corner, not another retread running back. Waste of money. We could have drafted him. You know, that's the thing is I get it. For fans that feel that way, I totally understand it. But at least my advice would be take some energy, some consolation, some optimism from the fact that you know what, at least you did upgrade. I think it's safe to say, I don't know if anyone would debate what I'm about to say, that Melvin Gordon's an upgrade over Royce Freeman. So in that sense, you did improve the room, and yeah, you're doing so through the nose and at a premium, but guys, at least it makes the team better, and it gives Drew Locke, let's not forget, more weapons and more of a fallback option and just more ammunition in that arsenal. Yeah. And I, something I kind of want to talk about, a little bit of cognitive dissonance that I think is kind of funny in regards to Gordon. You know, I do, do I think he was worth this gigantic contract? I probably wouldn't have paid him this much money. But then you see people say he's great, but his offensive line was not good. Well, that to me just further implements the point that, you know, running backs are only as good as the system and blocking in front of them. So if you want a good run game, you know, having a good running back is nice, but every single running back is a system running back. And so what matters most is the system around them and the blocking and, I mean, quarterback weapon, even the weapons. I mean, you can make an argument that Henry Ruggs pulling guys out of the box would have a huge impact on the run game. So I just uh, want to further hammer that point. It's just something that's kind of been stuck in my craw. Yeah, and on that is it's not just running backs. Every player, every position is a system player because the whole point of a coaching staff is to build a system around that player's strengths. And on the point of Melvin Gordon is that's very true is the running, the offensive line struggling didn't help him out, but that's just a bigger concern with Melvin Gordon. It's not a concern about his, about um, to, it's not, it's not a positive for him. It's just as much of a negative because good, better running backs do more when the blocking isn't holding up, they offer more there. That is something that Saquon Barkley actually does very well. That is something that Alvin Kamara does very well. Is they can they can make they can 
what's the term that I'm looking for? Is, create. Uh, create on their own. They can create on their own. So, Fair point. G.I. Jurors jumps back in. Appreciate that donation, my friend. He says, are those hats you rock snapback or fitted? By the way, Broncos country is strong out here in New Jersey. Well, that's good to hear, my friend. So this hat is not listed for sale on the merch store for now. There are other Mile High Huddle hats listed. The Huddle Up podcast one, I'll show you what it looks like. Here's your front. Oop, let me get it into the camera. There's your front, right? The way it's kind of flat bill, but then the back, snap. So there's that one, and then there's like a dad hat that shape-wise is a little bit more like this one. A right? trucker hat. It's a little bit more like dad. Well, not quite that square. This one, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to see because of the angle, but it's more of like if you see me go this way, it's a little bit more of just a head fit. It's a, it's a ball cap. They call it a dad hat, whatever. But there's the snapback dad hat. And then we're adding stuff, as I said, as we go, we're continuing to add. So you guys can check that out on huddleuppod.com. All right, let's grab Brian, one or two more guys. Then we got to get out of here. Brian jumps back in. Appreciate that, Brian. That means the world to all three of us. You know that. He says, do you guys think that this signing is maybe a sign that uh, that maybe believes in Drew Locke even more? So maybe Elway believes in Drew Locke even more so that he lets on more so than he lets on and really wants to make sure he has a decent back if something happens to Lindsey and Freeman. Guys, I don't think there's any mistaking that I mean this is a proliferation of talent to benefit Drew Locke and capitalize, as you guys talked about, he's on a cost-controlled rookie contract. They got a little window of time. And I think this is a symptom of that. Don't you think, Eric? I definitely agree. I think that almost every single move that the Broncos have made so far this offseason has been to better, not just around the offense around Drew Locke, but the team around Drew Locke. Melvin Gordon, he adds that receiver back that Pat Shermer likes to have. They went and got Graham Glasgow to open to help basically refill that spot that Ron Leary left the void in. They still got to go get a center. Yeah. Better bass blocker. They got to go get, still go get another receiver weapon, one with speed. who can challenge the challenge the deep ball. It would be nice to have a guy who can take those screens and make big plays happen out of that. It'd be nice for them to add a center. I mean, they can still add other things. The only issue, only move that they've made on offense that is a little bit concerning to me is the backup quarterback with Jeff Driscoll. I'm a big fan of his, don't get me wrong, but I've liked, I would have liked to have seen somebody with more veteran experience that could help Drew Locke, especially somebody who has experience in the scheme. But on the defense, getting after the quarterback, improving the secondary, those are all things that they're doing to get the ball back to the offense. It's all been about Drew Locke. And I would like to reiterate that getting Jeff Driscoll instead of – putting money in a guy like Marcus Mariota, who the pay, now the, what the Raiders are paying two guys further emphasizes how much they believe in drew lock. I mean, it's not yeah. competition. I would have liked maybe a chase Daniel, Josh McCown, a little bit more of an elder statesman, but they did, they could have sunk in a good amount of cap to get in another running or another quarterback in there to put some heat on lock saying yeah. like, if you slip, you know, we like you, but we don't love you. So getting a guy like Dris- Driscoll to me says all steam ahead, drew lock. Yeah, and on that point is a quarterback that I would have gone at. It would have been a, a Marcus Mariota. It would have been like a Matt Moore, a Chase Daniel, one of those guys who has plenty of experience in a scheme or similar scheme to I help agree. him to help him teach it. Marcus Mariota wouldn't have been an option, in my opinion. James jumped back in with another donation. Appreciate you, James. You know, much love on this side of the screen, buddy. He says, does this waste of money on Gordon prevent us from getting Prince and re-signing Wolf? For real, this was a stupid, stupid signing. I want to egg Elway. All right, so he's he's upset. Okay, that's right. It's his right as a fan to be upset. So let's just answer the question. Does this eliminate the possibility of Prince of Mukamara and or re-signing Wolf? Eric, your thoughts? I don't think it does. One thing that people get, get they really hold, get held up on cap space. And it's cap space, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, but it's not a – it's a firm number, but it's not. It's kind of an illusion because you can always work around the cap. You can always restructure deals. You can structure deals differently to just do all sorts of things to work around the cap. I don't think that if Denver really wants to go get Prince of Mukamara and they want to bring back Derek Wolf, this isn't going to stop them. They'll find a way to do it. I'm, I still, I, I mean, we don't know how this cap, the new cap guru is, but I'm sure that if they really wanted to, they'll find a way. Yeah, I mean, they can, again, we talked about those two contracts with Boye and Casey. They can move those around a little bit. I, I do want to, I guess, heed warning in regard of doing that too much is because when you start backloading contracts and pushing everything back, that's like paying everything with a credit card. Eventually, the collectors come and you're going to have to pay up. So, you know, just be a little bit 
be a little bit cautious with that. And also there's a very good possibility that this time next year, uh, Cortland Sutton coming off a big season may be holding out, you know, wanting a contract before that fourth season. So this, you gotta be thinking about all those things, be thinking a couple years ahead. Guys, I know we didn't get to everybody's questions tonight and the, the conversation was so lively. Honestly, we didn't even get to what the main topic of tonight's show was going to be. <laughs> the pre-planned topic for Nick and, and Eric was going to be how this past week of free agency around the NFL could affect the top 15. Eric, we might have to tackle that tomorrow uh, when I'm joining Eric again on tomorrow night's show. So if we didn't get your question tonight, make sure you check back in with us tomorrow and we'll do the best we can to grab it tomorrow. But guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Thank you for joining us on this deep dive of your Denver Broncos. It's fun as always. Make sure, guys, you are following these awesome Bronco and NFL draft analysts on Twitter at Nick Kendall, MHH, and at Eric Trickle. You can find myself at Chad and Jensen. And then also take some time. Let me see if I can find this. Follow the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast main account on Twitter, uh, Twitter at DVDD underscore pod. And while you're at it, just a reminder at Mile High Huddle. And uh, continue to stay safe. Nick, I know you've got another podcast that you just sent me that you and Carl cooked up that we're going to upload. So all of our listeners that are listening to this pod after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you're listening, there's going to be a new Building the Broncos to listen to grading these free agent moves this past week that's going to come out sometime over the weekend. Stay tuned for that. And then Eric and I will be back in the saddle for you guys with another episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow night, Saturday, Same time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And in the meantime, Nick, have a great night, bro. Hey, thank you guys very much for having me on. Hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. Eric, we'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow. And we can't – Brian's jumping in really quick toward the end. Uh, See me in three years equals – see me in three years, Rugs, equals best. You heard it here first. Just a gut feeling. Appreciate that, Brian. Eric, have a good night. I look forward to talking more tomorrow night, bro. Yeah, looking forward to tomorrow night as well. All right, guys. For Nick, for Eric, I'm Chad. We'll be back in the saddle tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Mile high salute to all our Super Chat love. We appreciate you guys. Love you from MHHHQ. Talk to you tomorrow night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.